thank you for tuning in today and welcome back to another episode of The Source. I'm your host Zan Raza and today I'll be talking to Dr. Sheer Hever about the current situation in Israel and Palestine. Dr. Sheer Hever is an independent journalist, economist and author. He's also the military embargo coordinator of the Boycott National Committee of the BDS movement. Sheer, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Before we talk about the wider situation in Gaza and Israel, I want to start specifically with the recent attack on the Al-Hali Arab hospital that killed 500 people, many of them who were taking refuge from Israeli air bombardments. The Tagesschau, Germany's leading primetime news channel, started their segment on the 18th of October by stating, and let me quote them here, quote, The day after a rocket hit a hospital in the Gaza Strip, it is still unclear who is responsible. The terrorist organization Hamas blames the Israeli military. Israel denies this and considers a misdirected Palestinian rocket to be the cause of the explosion at the Al-Halil Arab Hospital compound in Gaza." Unquote. U.S. President, while speaking to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu during a meeting in Israel, said, quote, And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, and not you. Unquote. The other team obviously referring to Hamas. What is your assessment on this hospital attack? I thought about uh, that you're going to ask me this question, and I don't think that uh, the right thing is to get into the evidence and the and the facts that uh, make the case, because uh, this is something that only professionals can investigate. At the moment, uh, the Israeli military doesn't allow international observers to come and investigate the area. Let's put it this way. We have here a tremendous atrocity. Uh, the number of dead is close to 500. Uh, completely defenseless, innocent civilians in Gaza. The, I, what, what strikes me as implausible is that the Israeli uh, authorities, the Israeli government thinks that it matters that they claim it was a, an accident by a Palestinian fighter that caused a, a fire and a death. Why would it matter? I mean, we have a situation in which uh, the north part of the West Bank, uh, oh, sorry, the north part of the Gaza Strip is under direct military occupation of the Israeli government, of the Israeli military. Uh, they said everyone, 1.1 million people, have to leave the area or they will die within 24 hours. People started to leave. And then the Israelis were bombing the convoys of refugees on their way uh, to, to the south. So uh, this is a trap. This is ethnic cleansing, it is uh, genocide. And so desperate people took refuge in that hospital, trying to cower and, and huddle together with the belief that maybe, maybe a hospital would be a safe place that will not be bombed by, by the Israeli forces. But the Israeli forces are responsible for that, meaning that it doesn't matter if it was caused by a missile uh, or by something else, the responsibility for the well-being and the, the right to life of the people in that area rests on the occupier. That is the Israeli government, the Israeli military. Uh, so they think that um, that if they, they blame the other side, it will somehow um, absolve them of guilt. And we've seen so many lies, so many lies. Uh, when the Israelis claimed, oh, we had nothing to do with the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the uh, journal Washington Post journalist who um, an Israeli company provided the, the spyware 
uh, to the Saudi government in order to have him assassinated. Then they said, oh, we had nothing to do with the murder of Palestinian journalist Shirin Abu Akleh, uh, which uh, was later, of course, uh, this, uh, found out to be a lie. And very recently, uh, when uh, the attack on, on October 7th uh, w uh, killed also a lot of Israeli citizens, and the Israeli government started to spread fake news and lies about atrocities committed uh, and things that I don't know if, if this show is appropriate for me to repeat uh, or to describe those atrocities. It could be difficult for some of the listeners, so I will not describe them. I will say that uh, President Biden repeated those fake claims in his speech. He did not recant. He did not apologize, even after a serious journalist proved that this was fake. And on a side note, I should say, uh, what about the, the, the families of the Israeli families, I mean, of these victims who hear their own government spreading those lies? And how does it make them feel when they hear these atrocities committed against their own family members in the name of some kind of opportunistic uh, desire of the Israeli government to gain popular support for for committing genocide in Gaza? It's simply uh, so. So why would anyone believe them now when they say the hospital was not an Israeli attack? Um, and um the, the International Organization for Islamic Cooperation. It's an organization of uh, 57 countries. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about this soon. They issued a very powerful, clear statement. And in that statement, it says, you know, it doesn't matter um, who pressed the trigger or, or what exactly caused uh, this death. Uh, the responsibility is on the shoulders of the occupier. You already talked about the situation in uh, Gaza. I would like to elaborate on that. A few days after the Hamas attack on October 7th, Israel cut off electricity, water supplies in Gaza and ordered, as you mentioned, 1.1 million Palestinians to flee to the south of Gaza. The only way out is through the Rafah border crossing, which has been closed by Egypt, causing extreme shortages of food, water, fuel and medical supplies. Egypt has also rejected calls to open a humanitarian corridor within its borders. The Guardian reported earlier today that the United States vetoed a resolution in the United Nations Security Council that called on Israel to allow humanitarian corridors into Gaza, to halt fighting and to lift an order that would force that is forcing civilians to flee from the north to the south. Yesterday, in a meeting with President Biden, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, while referring to the situation in Gaza, said, quote, as we proceed in this war, Israel, Israel will do everything in, in order to keep civilians out of harm's way. We've asked them and we'll continue to ask them to move to safer areas, unquote. How do you assess Israel's response to Hamas's terrorist attack? Has it acted in self-defense as well as protected Palestinian civilians from harm's way? I honestly don't see the connection between the first part of your question and the second, because uh, what you've described uh, the, the world, especially the West, um, being complicit with the Israeli genocide and uh, veto the U.S. vetoed a Security Council resolution to call for a ceasefire, a humanitarian ceasefire. Uh, so they want more death, want more killing. And uh, what does this have to do with uh, an Israeli response? This is, this is um, when we're talking about what is a state according to the rules of law, according to the rules of um, the, the international law of engaging in war, uh, is allowed to do, is expected to do in protecting its own citizens, in uh, respecting the rights of uh, citizens of other countries or, or a population under military occupation, which is not uh, citizens of any country, there are very clear guidelines there. 
And it's very clear that what one thing they're not allowed to do is to say, because we, we are going to fight a certain group uh, of Palestinian um, resistance, we are going to simply cleanse the whole area of its uh, indigenous population and just tell them to leave. Uh, and if they don't leave, we just kill them all. This is uh, this is not uh, does, doesn't fall under the rules of law. This is a war crime. It's a crime against humanity. The context of this is a, a very very um, brutal wave of incitement and racism and dehumanization of Palestinians. I have never seen anything like this from Israeli officials, from the Israeli media, from the uh, Israeli uh, soldiers who are describing Palestinians as human animals. This is a quote from the Israeli Ministry of Defense, but it is only one of dozens of quotes. And when you have dehumanization, calls for revenge, a nationalistic fervor in the population where, where people are just afraid, and people on the Israeli side, afraid to, to raise the slightest doubt that maybe this is actually not something that will bring any security and, and not help the, the victims' uh, families or the people, or the hostages. Um, and, and then you go in with overwhelming military force against a defenseless civilian population, calling, uh, ordering ethnic cleansing and attacking civilian targets. This is a genocide. And uh, the very important uh, scholar of genocide, uh, Professor Raz Segal, um, whom, whom I know, and, and maybe we can say something about uh, him and about his work in Germany as well, um, is uh, he said this is a textbook case of genocide because exactly all of these components are, are there. The dehumanization, the incitement, the racism, the ethnic cleansing, the out-of-control uh, military operation against uh, defenseless civilians. In the last few days, both German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and U.S. President Biden have visited Israel and the Middle East. The Tagesschau in both cases stated that their intention is to resolve, mediate and defuse the conflict. However, the Huffington Post recently reported after reviewing internal emails from the State Department, U.S. State Department, that the U.S. is discouraging diplomats working on Middle East issues from making public statements suggesting the U.S. wants to see less violence. Three specific words were asked to not to be used that included de-escalation ceasefire, end to violence bloodshed and restoring calm. How do you view the situation? Is the West, notably Germany and the US, playing a constructive or destructive role when it comes to this conflict? Um, well, we, we can easily identify the four countries that are act, uh, playing a destructive role. This is the United States, France, the UK, and Germany. Four countries that are the leadership of NATO and are supposed to be the leaders of the free world and democ democratic world. Um, but uh, the level of hypocrisy is, is amazing, is hard to fathom when it comes uh, to the killing of, of civilians in Gaza. We, we hear a completely different language. Uh, and these visits by Biden and uh, Schultz and now uh, uh, Sunak from, the, from Great Britain uh, are, well, sort of colonial interventions uh, where they want to support the, the colonialist side. Uh, and... Um, and, and also, we should also say, they are motivated and financed by the military industry. And here, Germany uh, absolutely plays a very big role, because maybe Germany likes to, to develop a, a cultivate a certain reputation for itself as a peaceful country that doesn't engage in hostile wars anymore after the Second World War. Uh, but um, 
the military industry of Germany is deeply complicit. And what is happening specifically in Gaza is that uh, Germany decided to, to loan to Israel 16 heavy attack drones that the, uh, the German um, Luftwaffe, the Air Force, is, is leasing from Israel, these Heron TP uh, drone, uh, drones. Each one is capable of carrying 2.7 tons of ammunition. And they are um, supposed to be training in Israel. But uh, now when they are loaned to the Israeli Air Force, then we don't know exactly if German members of the Bundeswehr, of, of the German military, are operating the drones. Are they loading them with ammunition? Are they maintaining them as they are doing bombing runs against civilians in Gaza? This is a level of complicity which is criminal. The International Criminal Court said that, that, uh, that it does have jurisdiction in the Gaza Strip and that soldiers, officers, and also politicians who are complicit in violating uh, human rights and, and international law within uh, that area would be uh, culpable under the law and could be uh, could face charges. And I think the only thing that Germany can do from a legal point of view to prevent its own soldiers uh, from facing charges in the International Criminal Court in The Hague for war crimes is if they prosecute them in turn, uh, locally in Germany. So. This is a call to the German government. Release the names of those soldiers who have um, illegally uh, obeyed illegal orders. Who gave these illegal orders? And these people must face justice because otherwise uh, it puts uh, it casts uh, uh, doubt and, and suspicion on, on the entire German military. For many days, we've been hearing that an Israeli military invasion of Gaza is imminent with the objective of wiping out, wiping out Hamas. And it has been delayed over and over again, and no one knows when it will begin. Some say that uh, Israel is contemplating uh, invading Gaza because uh, once it goes into Gaza, this is the point when Hezbollah might be drawn in, Syria, and perhaps even Iran, and this could cause a wider conflict in the region. What do you think about this assessment? And what do you think, uh, why do you think Israel has not launched its ground offensive yet? The situation is. Um very much irrational. I think I can see a lot of voices from Israel, despite this environment of fear and people are afraid to speak out, uh, people are, are arrested uh, for expressing opinions. Uh, one member of the Israeli Knesset was suspended for um, warning that uh, this is the beginning of genocide. Uh, the, nevertheless, people are saying, what exactly does Israel hope to achieve? with this uh, war, with this invasion of Gaza? Is it even um, conceivable that uh, Hamas can be defeated or eliminated? Uh, and of course, um, all rational uh, people are saying, no, it's not. Uh, it, th there is no way to defeat a, a guerrilla organization and a resistance organization with force. That never happens. Uh, so and, and, and are pointing out, look at the United States in Afghanistan, look at uh, um, uh, Vietnam, look at um, Algeria. Uh, there, there, there is no scenario which ends well for the Israeli side. They know this. Now, seeing that this, there, there is this irrational fervor and seeing that a ground invasion uh, would be not only a, a catastrophe of unimaginable proportions for the indigenous Palestinian population, but also 
a, a, a very clear recipe for defeat for the Israeli military. Seeing that, Biden from the United States uh, realized the only way he can prevent the, uh, the ground invasion is by physically coming to Israel and telling them, as long as I am here, you are not able to uh, make a, a ground invasion. But he cannot now move to Israel. Uh, he, he cannot stay there forever. So now the, um, he passes that uh, to, to Sunak from uh, Great Britain, but he won't be able to stay forever either. Sooner or later, uh, this, uh, the, the calls within Israel for, for, um, blood, for blood, for vengeance, uh, the, these calls might, might prevail. And maybe they're thinking that uh, things will come down on their own somehow and that the Israelis will, will realize that this would be a terrible strategic mistake. This is, of course, because of the strategic interests of the United States and Great Britain uh, and Germany as well to have a strong bastion of Western support in the Middle East within close reach to important energy resources and so on. Uh, so that's uh, much more than, than any kind of fake statements about uh, su supporting the Jewish state and, and uh, uh, protecting Jews. Uh, I'm sure uh, all, all, our, uh, all your viewers realize that Israel is not a safe place for Jews uh, and, that, uh, and, and must have heard, of course, that Jews from all over the world are protesting this genocide Especially, I mean, I, my family also went through a genocide. I've also um, heard the stories from, from my grandparents. Uh, so when I see people being um, crowded in a ghetto and, and uh, without access to food and water, uh, then I, I am reminded of those stories. And because of this, in New York, uh, just uh, yesterday, 500 uh, Jewish activists were arrested. I mean, out of a much larger demonstration, but 500 were arrested for protesting Israeli genocide uh, and, and shouting not in our name. So, um, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, the Israeli government is not acting in a, any kind of um, mandate, not of its own population, not in the name of the Jewish people, not in the name of security, uh, but it does, has to do something. And uh, the only thing it, it can think of doing is to use uh, aggression and violence, even though everybody knows it will only end in a greater disaster. I've been watching the Tagesschau, Germany's leading primetime news channel, and from its coverage of the, since the Hamas attack until today, October um, 19th, it has not once mentioned Israel's long-standing policy towards Palestine, which Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, and the UN Human Rights Office have called apartheid and occupation. According to The Guardian, even many prominent Jewish voices, including a former head of Mossad, Israel's intelligence agency, has stated that Israel is imposing apartheid on Palestinians. In your opinion, can we invoke Israeli occupation, apartheid, and settlement expansion at this time? Or is this justifying and even downplaying the brutal and inhumane actions of Hamas on October 7th? We, we are not allowed to forget uh, the root causes of uh, this violence and when the violence begins. Of course, we have to invoke these things. But, but I wonder, Zane, why you keep uh, um, quoting from the Tagesschau and, and giving Tagesschau this uh, credit as the prominent uh, German media source, when in fact what we see in the German public sphere right now is a fa moral failure, which is so disappointing. 
I mean, it's not just Tagesschau, it's everywhere in Germany. It's in every uh, academic institution, uh, on, on various levels of government. I see that uh, in, in different newspapers. Uh, so where, where the Germans have prided themselves of having the culture of memory, Erinnerungskultur, uh, and, and how much uh, this is something that they uh, do so that they, they, they cultivate so that never again, they will never again uh, commit a, a genocide. But in, in the end, it has corrupted into very right wing identity politics where actually the German uh, public sphere is only concerned about never again for Jews. And they forgot completely what it means to commit genocide and what genocide is. And I keep uh, receiving statements from Germans um, who are saying, how dare you call what uh, what is happening in Gaza genocide? How dare you uh, compare it to the murder of uh, Jews uh, in the uh, Holocaust and Second World War? And I, I just am, am baffled by this way that uh, Germans have turned the Holocaust into something they are proud of. Like, we have monopoly of committing genocide. Nobody will ever uh, compete with us. And, and so uh, the state of Israel must always play the role of uh, representing only the victims. And uh, there is never going to be any kind of criticism against what they do to Palestinians. Uh, so, I mean, let's, let's uh, put this in perspective. Germany is not a voice for progressive thought right now. It's not a voice for human rights. It's a, a very, very aggressive and colonialist voice that we are hearing in the world. We're hearing much clearer voices from the global south. Let's acknowledge that, uh, where, where people are, are uh, demanding accountability and, an, and a ceasefire and, uh, and a humanitarian help to people who are basically, they've already run out of food and water. Um, so, so let's put that here. But yeah, I mean, your question was about um, talking about the root causes of violence. Violence begins with the act of, oppre of oppression. Long before there was a party called Hamas, long before there was a movement called Hamas, there was already a military occupation and there was already apartheid and there was already ethnic cleansing. These things started much, much before. Um, I think most people would agree that 1948 is, is a time... Um, to, to say when, when was the large ethnic cleansing that started. Uh, of course, there were some cases before and also some cases after, but 1948 is the beginning of the Palestinian Nakba, the disaster. Uh, and uh, then there were, uh, the, more land was occupied, more people were, were killed, tortured, uh, detained without trial. All of these things are crimes that were committed with impunity, with impunity by the Israeli state, by the Israeli military, by the Israeli government, uh, and they were allowed to get away with it, mainly by countries like Germany, mainly by, by Germany who didn't want to, to who, who, um, voice any kind of criticism, and that gave Israelis the sense that they can get away with more and more and more, and now things have gotten completely out of control. So, um, of course, we have to, to remind people that uh, the... Um, Resistance, uh, uh, even if uh, this resistance is is brutal and illegal according to international law, because it is illegal to target civilians uh, and um, and and murderous uh, and wrong. Uh, but but if you just uh, say okay, and that's the end of the conversation, 
then you completely uh, dehumanize both sides because because there is a story there and people uh, remember that. It's interesting that if you listen to Israeli voices, they haven't forgotten. They know. Let's listen to uh, the people who are uh, the survivors from the kibbutzim around the Gaza Strip. Uh, and, I, and I hear the voices where, where they say, look, we had um, lived through several hours of hell and lost so many of our family members and, and friends uh, in, in the Palestinian attack. But the hell for us has ended and now we are on the path of recovery. Uh, but the people in Gaza, just a few kilometers, are still going through hell. And, uh, and and more and more people are killed. And as, as long as this happens, we know that it's not over also for us because because there's not going to be peace. There's not going to be calm when uh, more atrocities are being committed. To my last question, Edward Snowden, the whistleblower who in 2013 revealed the NSA documents that expose how the U.S. collected data domestically and around the world, even from its allies at neutral forums such as the United Nations, tweeted the following statement on October 7 upon Hamas's attack. Quote, Netanyahu nurtured a zillion dollar industry selling spying tools to despots that used them to break into iPhones of critics, elected opponents, human rights lawyers, and even students. Turns out they're not useful for spying on Hamas though, unquote. As someone such as yourself who has been researching into the Israeli military and security complex for many years, how would you evaluate this statement? Well, uh... Even in very dark times, sometimes a cynical and humorous statement uh, can can strike very true. I've I've read this tweet, uh, and um, of course, um, we have to understand something about spyware. And Snowden has, has revealed a lot of, of of the structure of how spyware actually works, uh, but uh, there are other sources that confirm it as well. First of all, we should say there is no country in the world that allows private companies to sell spyware for money to the highest bidder except Israel. So this oppression has been spread around the world. And, and we see this all over. And actually, it was President Biden in the United States who said, this is a very dangerous technology. Of course, he wants the US intelligence uh, agencies like the CIA to have spyware, and they do have spyware. But that should not be on the commercial market and should not be used against American citizens. Because one of the reasons that spyware is so dangerous is, is it, it's not just a tool for obtaining information, uh, like surveilling and taking information, but it's also a tool for planting fake information into devices. So you can use spyware in order to plant text or voices or whatever in somebody's uh, phone as if they wrote it. Or you can, you can use it to uh, express things through social media accounts of people, so as if they made a statement they didn't want to make. Uh, and this is um, not a tool for, for law enforcement. It's a tool for misinformation, uh, uh, sowing chaos, destroying, um, uh, so uh, distrust, and so on. So this is, um, Biden said uh, this has to be banned in the United States. And the New York Times actually found that uh, the ban was not very effective. Israeli companies found ways around it. But now we see that, uh, yes, it is working on Biden, actually, because for twice he has repeated Israeli disinformation. So the Israelis are still using disinformation technology against him. Uh, it doesn't matter if they use spyware for this or they use other things. Uh, they could manufacture 
evidence uh, through phones uh, uh, by, by using spyware. And uh, this is why spyware needs to be banned altogether. It's not just about uh, Israel. It's about any, any all countries should, should ban spyware. Absolutely. It's a very dangerous and wrong technology. Uh, but uh, but yeah, this is how surveillance uh, works. And we should also pay attention that from the point of view of the Israeli public, this is not a war that is just fought against Palestinians and Palestinian resistance groups on the field of battle, you know, with, with bombs and, and uh, guns. It's a war that is fought with information and misinformation. And the Israelis are calling for volunteers to do Hasbara. Hasbara means uh, propaganda in Hebrew. Uh, and this is, uh, uh, and, and they try to attack uh, pal people who express solidarity with Palestine on social media networks. Uh, it's certainly happening in Germany. A lot of misinformation, a lot of fa false uh, uh, information that is spread by mainstream media um, institutions uncritically, just because it's pro-Israeli, so they believe it automatically. Um, and this is, uh, of course, very dangerous to democracy and to public, uh, free speech all over the world. So that's something that uh, we, we have to always remember. And um, as long as Israel gets a free pass to, to uh, commit genocide, then of course, uh, the way that uh, its actions undermine our, our freedoms as citizens in, in other countries, uh, is, is taking a, a second priority, unfortunately. Dr. Shearheber, independent journalist and author, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Zane. And thank you for tuning in today. Please don't forget to join our alternative channels on Rumble, Telegram, and a podcast called Podbean. We are providing a different perspective on the issues taking place, for example, in Ukraine and Palestine. And the danger has never been so high of getting shadow banned or censored. So we are asking all of our viewers as a precaution to join these alternative platforms. You will find the links to these platforms in the description of this video. And if you're watching our videos regularly, make sure to donate a small amount via PayPal, Patreon or a bank account. We are a small independent and non-profit media organization that does not take any money from corporations, governments and don't even allow advertisement all with the goal of providing you with information that is free from external influence. Even though we have 142,000 subscribers, only a few percent donate to us on a regular basis. So if you want us to continue providing you information that is free from external influence and that enhance your knowledge and perspective, make sure to donate today. I'm your host, Zan Raza. See you all next time.